Welcome back to day 29 of our Halloween Story Marathon. I wanted to try and give a little traction to some of our back content. So today's story is actually from last year, from our 2022 special Halloween episode. We do have a lot of new subscribers since then, so if you haven't heard that, I'll leave a link down below. You can listen to three other stories we posted in that episode, and they were written by me. So if you happen to like my writing style, then you can sample a little more of it in that episode. Today's story is called The Perfect Autumn Day by Black Rose Reads. It started out as the perfect autumn day. As I walked along, the air was just crisp enough. That chill that makes you pull your scarf up around your neck a little tighter. That scent on the breeze that smells like earth and harvest and the brink of rain. Pumpkins and dead leaves. Not the synthetic scent that stores try to bottle and package in candles and air fresheners. No, the real scent of autumn was lingering in my nostrils, and it was glorious. The bruised purple color of the sky was heavy with gray clouds as the afternoon sunlight's weakened rays strained to push through those ever-threatening storm clouds. A wisp of a whirlwind sent the crisp leaves floating down like beautiful dead stars all around me as I walked under the maple tree. Its lingering leaves so orange and red, it was on fire with the flaming farewell of yet another hot summer saying its goodbyes. They said it was supposed to rain, but you know how Autumn likes to tease her devoted patrons with only hints of something more. I heard thunder boom in the distance, and I thought, perfect, just beautiful. I'll be home, just in time to brew tea. Sit by the window and watch the window panes streaked with the falling rain, blurring out the illustrious landscape of gold, orange, and red trees dotting my front yard. Yes, Everything was perfect, but then it went from good to bad, and bad to worse. Now here we are. I don't know why it started today of all days, but it did. I saw her on the corner across the street. I was going to cross, but something like the dread of dark corners in your attic filled my chest with anxiety and trepidation, so irrational that I staggered backward. There were images of others behind her, but my vision was momentarily blurred, her hood pulled too far over her head, and the darkening skies cast deep shadows and wouldn't allow me to see her face. I knew I couldn't look at her, though. There was something wrong with her. She looked like she was simply waiting at the bus stop. But something, deep in the marrow of my soul, said otherwise. I could tell from the corner of my eye something was occurring, just beyond her. But I was too afraid to look. 
I needed to go that way. It was part of my route home. However, I had to change course. I didn't care that it would extend my trip home by many more minutes. The rain had just started to fall as I got inside. I put the kettle on and went to my tea cabinet. I picked out a cinnamon blend. I cozied down into my favorite chair just by the window where I could listen to the droplets dance on the glass. As the tea steeped in the mug, the wisps of steam curled around the edges of the mug and upward. I became enchanted, fixated on the steam, like tiny little clawed hands reaching up from my face. As I inhaled the scent of the cinnamon, my gaze became too focused on that steam. The small wispy hands of the steam slowly moved. A ghostly white pallid hand began to form from the mist. I was frozen, unable to move, either by some spell this apparition was casting or my own primal instincts ceasing to work. I held the cup fast in front of me, watching in horror as it began to reach for my face. Another hand slowly materialized from the cup, and now two hands reached for my shoulders, seemingly looking for purchase to pull itself from the depths of its hell towards my soul. I panted with all the heaviness of a primal animal caught in the claws of an apex predator about to be consumed and remained immobile. Something suddenly snapped inside me. Perhaps my fight or flight kicked in. I screamed and dropped the mug. I stared at the mug and spilled tea on the floor, the shards of the cup swimming on the tiny pond of brown liquid seeping out across the wooden floor. My breathing began to slow, but I continued simply staring at the mess. I crouched down and reached for the largest shard from the black mug, when something in the reflection caught my eye. Something wasn't right. I could see myself, and another. Over my shoulder, there was a wisp of a hand, gently falling down, down, materializing into the sharp angles of a deadened hand. The closer it threatened to make contact, my muscles seized, taking control of my mind, hindering me from all action. I looked on helplessly as the hand came to rest on my shoulder. I felt the chill of the bony fingers seeping deep into my body and mind. Mentally, some part of me was screaming, Move! Yet, I couldn't. Whatever this otherworldly visitor was, it had a greater power than I could comprehend. I willed myself to shake off my stupor and move. My body twitched, and I jerked. I whipped around looking behind me, brandishing the half-broken mug like a jagged knife. Such a poor defense against this formidable foe. There was a brief flash of lightning. The lights flickered. And in that flickering, she was there, the girl in the hood. Her face was still obscured by the hood, but I saw her hands, just bones, white and dreadful, 
reaching out to me. The lights went out for just a beat, and then they flickered back on. She was gone. I pulled myself to the couch and pulled my knees to my chest like a foolish child. I grabbed the thick knitted afghan and wrapped it around myself thinking naively that it was a shield of protection. I waited, each breath feeling like it could be my last. That ominous heaviness that had surged through me when I'd seen her earlier was back. I was somewhere near the brink of hysteria and panic, and yet I didn't know what to do. I didn't know who to call. Surely not the police. I'd be placed in the back of a little white paddy wagon and carted off. No, I had to wait. There was nothing else to do but wait. I might have sat there for two minutes or two hours. Sporadic convulsions chilled and vibrated each nerve ending within me. I sat, waiting for her return. I knew she would. I racked my brain. There was something there I felt I should know. A gnawing feeling of deja vu, but that was not quite right. I couldn't understand what I was feeling. So on and on the night stretched. The rain pelted across the glass as the storm picked up momentum. All I could do was wait each agonizing minute passing like a lifetime of regret, stretching on and on with no respite of relief. I suppose I began to nod off. My body's supply of adrenaline had been spent. Exhaustion took over. When I woke up, the storm had ebbed. I must have been dreaming. That was it. And rain was softly pattering on the window pane. I shrugged off the blanket and went to the window. I touched the glass. It was cold. I leaned in closer and my breath left condensation as a small sign of comfort that I was not dreaming now. Surely now I was awake and the other experience was the dream. Then the lightning flashed and the thunder boomed. The lights went out and there she was on the lawn, illuminated by some strange otherworldly spotlight. She stood still as a statue, and the moment stretched on longer than I could bear. I tore my hands through my hair and screamed, What do you want? Her hands came out of her pockets, and I saw those bare bones move with deliberate slowness. My gaze was locked, waiting for what she would do next. Her hands moved to the edge of her jacket hood. She placed them on either side, and as she pulled it back, I could see that her chin was devoid of skin. Her mouth was wanting of lips. The skeleton of her face was unbearable to look at. Some part of me already knew her entire face would reveal the manifestation of an undead human standing before me. I felt terror course through my veins like ice as she pulled back the hood to reveal her eyes. From her cheekbones up, her face was still very much intact. Her blue eyes, like shards of glass, glared deep into my soul. There was something 
familiar about her eyes, but I knew my gaze could not linger on her. It was dangerous. I would become too ill-enchanted and it would seal my fate. I threw the drapes closed and paced the length of the room. It was silly to think that merely turning my focus away from her would banish her. No, I felt it. She had a mission, a purpose, and I was the center of her sinister plans. I could feel her anger and malice closing in on me, like the storm surrounding an island and consuming all in its path. She would have me, and there was no escape. I knew this. There was no escaping my fate. The devil was here to deal out her retribution. The second I succumbed to my fate, the lights flickered, and she was standing before me, terrible in her wrath. Why? I whimpered. I know you, but I don't understand. I began to cry. I forced myself to look up into her awful eyes. I saw a momentary sliver of compassion flicker there. Then it was gone, replaced by years of anguish. Somehow I knew this, but I couldn't understand how or why I knew this. Then as she stood there, only staring at me, her eyes boring into mine, willing me to see, I began to see. I began to understand very clearly what had happened. It was a perfect autumn day. I crossed the street. All those people standing at the bus stop had a split second of warning before I did. My back was turned to the impending disaster about to occur, but theirs were not. Just as I saw the look of horror on their faces, their contorted visages of fear warning me that the bus was going to swerve, it was already too late. It clipped me just enough. Time slowed. The impact flung me into the maple tree I had been admiring only moments earlier. The unyielding tree refused the movement of my body like a windshield stops a bug. A man I didn't know was barking out orders to the others. A woman cradled me in her arms, crying and telling me not to move. Another was on her phone dialing emergency services. Then I had prayed, mumbling sweet supplications to my God, as I'd been taught as a child. I prayed to God to live one more perfect autumn day. Then I closed my eyes and all was fine. I was home, sitting in my cozy chair, drinking tea, watching the storm out my window, but that wasn't quite right. Just before I closed my eyes, I saw her. I saw a perfect likeness of myself standing there above me, confused and bewildered. I thought she was an angel come to save me, but my own confusion was her look of dismay. Why would an angel seem so distraught? Then, quick as the blink of an eye, she was lying in the woman's arms, bleeding and broken. I was looking down at her. Then another blink, 
and I was back on the ground dying. Another blink, and I was her again. All the while, an omnipotent voice in my head echoed again, and again, in time with this strange phenomenon. Choose life or death. Choose life or death. I knew I had to choose, or we would stay stuck in that flickering moment for eternity. God had given me a choice. A twisted test in the game of free will he so often played with mortals. I'd been deceived, like so many before me across the fabric of time. I'd prayed to live another perfect autumn day. And that's what I got. The perfect autumn day. Played over and over again. Yet... Is any day, in all the long days of our short years in mortality, actually perfect? Each time I reached the corner of the bus stop, there she was, each time losing more and more resemblance of looking human, and more like the undead. Her god's cruel vestige of her personal hourglass, each time she strained to get me to choose differently. Somehow, she was convinced this would change our intertwined time loop. It all became clear then. Everything I thought I knew about life, death, and God was also wrong. In the vast, multi-layered universe, there existed infinite realities. And each one was an intricate chess piece carved out by a different god. They all played with mortals across the dimensions for their own entertainment. In my moment at Death's Door, I'd seen that my god in my universe was not who I thought he was. And yet, he was. How many times did the barren woman unable to conceive look on as the drug-addict mother neglected her throng of welfare babies to embrace the needle instead of their small loving hearts? How many times had he given the wealth of nations to the one who would squander it while making the tender-hearted Samaritan scrounge from paycheck to paycheck? How many times had the gay or black man been turned away at God's door by explanations that they were the wrong kind of soul, and yet ironically created by his own hand. I'd been picked at random, just like all the other souls across time. And that other version of me, well, she'd been plucked up from her universe and set down in mine. I wasn't given to understand the game that the gods were playing with us, but then again, the mortals were never allowed to know the why of their fancies. One thing was clear. She'd been experiencing the same time loop for years because I chose to live in my perfect autumn day. Yet another day, and another day, and another day, each time given a new choice, each time choosing life over death, each time dooming her to fade away with each reoccurrence. But had I doomed her? In her reality, she'd chosen to die. So that's what her god had granted her. Death, 
again, and again, and again, just ever so slowly. She'd gotten it all wrong. I was not the one responsible for her everlasting time loop of death. She and her own god were at fault for that, for the choice she'd made. But she blamed me all the same. I felt my own moment of compassion towards her then. She was just as human as I, and we all looked to point a finger at someone. As she wrapped her bony fingers around my neck and began to squeeze, I could feel the life going out of me. I closed my eyes and gave myself up to fate. I opened my eyes, and as I walked along, the air was just crisp enough. That chill that makes you pull your scarf up around your neck a little tighter. A perfect autumn day. Well, I hope you enjoyed that story, Rosebuds. Again, if you liked that, check out the other stories on the Back Halloween special. And thanks so much for listening. Until next time. Take care and stay creepy.